Welcome back to the Chaos Ball Podcast, everyone. This is the premier Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. America's team, the Chaos Ball leaders of the world. I am sitting here on Monday, August 29th, recording this podcast as your Seattle Mariners sit a half game off the top wildcard spot. Just a half game behind the Rays. A full game above Toronto. A game and a half above Baltimore. Three games above the Twins. Six above the White Sox. Seven above Boston. Everyone past that, like the Rangers and the Angels, do not matter. And we're feeling good. What a week of baseball that was. Uh, We'll be recapping this week of baseball, what happened with the Mariners. Uh, They are three and two since the last podcast. They just came off. Huge series win against the Cleveland Guardians. Maybe a sneak peek into the wildcard matchup, potentially. A lot of stuff could break in the next month or so to make that not happen. But that was some some baseball, for sure, that just got played. That was almost exactly what we all expected with that series to be happening. I'll break, I'm going to go in and break it down game by game later in the pod, but if that's a wildcard series, buckle the fuck up. That was playoff baseball. The atmosphere, every game was one run, basically. That's not true. Don't fact check that. Uh, but it just felt it felt a little different. Stakes felt a little higher, and uh, we could see them later this week too. So we'll we'll see what happens with that. But great week of baseball here, Seattle Mariners. What what a team we have built this year. They just grit grit out these wins. Uh, well, I'll get into that later in the pod. Just gonna do some business real quick. Etro weekend. What a good weekend. I wish I could have been at the ballpark. I unfortunately do not live in the area anymore, but Etro weekend looked great. I uh, sold out crowd for his game, and his speech was tremendous. I don't I don't know how many people, at least I didn't expect it. I don't think anyone really expected him to do the whole thing in English. That was amazing, and, and made for a super interesting speech, because... He, he took so many pauses. The crowd would cheer and stuff. And his his comedic timing, I must say, was tremendous. I, we've heard so many stories about Ichiro in the clubhouse. Now he was a jokester. Uh, and we, the whole world, got to see it a little bit, which is amazing. I mean, dude is hilarious. Uh, he has famously said um, stuff like... Chicks who dig home runs aren't the ones who appeal to me. Like, he's, he's, dude has some of the best baseball quotes of all time, and I think it's sneaky. I don't think that many people know that about him. He, he's, he said, I remember hearing him say before, he was like, I could hit a lot of home runs if I wanted to. I just don't really feel like it. And it's like, dude just wanted to get hits. Dude did exactly what he wanted to. Uh, but getting back to his speech, that was a great speech. Man, he, he, he thanked the guys who were up there. I think, uh, who was it? Uh, Griffey was up there. Edgar was there. Dan Wilson was there. Um, Rick Riz was down there. And then, obviously, Ichiro's family. Um, it's customary in Japan when they're retiring a player or coach's jersey or whatever to give them a bouquet of flowers before they do a speech. And Julio was out there to do that, which is great. Uh, that was an awesome thing to see. I'm sure they've worked together the past year on his hitting. I'm sure each show has definitely imparted some great wisdom to him there. Uh, but the speech is great. Dude uh, 
roasted the fuck out of Jamie Moyer. He had some funny stories. He just talked about how much love and admiration he has for the game of baseball in Seattle. Um, and it was just great to see that many fans there to support. Just like the Edgar one, just like the Griffey one, the the fans will sell at the stadium for these legends, um, no matter the circumstances, and the circumstances here are good. Now, the speech was great, ran a little long, I think, but um, overall, I was amazed. Ichiro is just an amazing person. What a hilarious dude, <laughs> and I'm glad he's still a part of the Seattle Mariners to some capacity, and Maybe make the playoffs when he's working for us. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Okay. Um, oh, yeah. And the last Ichiro thing I want to say. Um, I think my favorite, uh, one of my favorite quotes from an athlete of all time, I think. Um, I have the quote here. One morning in spring training 2017, as he was in the coach's room looking at his cell phone text messages, Israel told the coaches about one message he had just received from a number he didn't recognize. The guy said he'd gotten Ichiro's number from Alex Rodriguez and that he wanted to come meet him and study his stretching system. Quote, what's this guy's name? Quote, end quote. Asked one of the coaches. Ichiro scrolled to the end of the text and said, quote, some guy named Tom Brady. Who the fuck is Tom Brady? <laughs> Man, Ichiro is a king and he will be inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Very soon, and I'm excited and looking forward to that. So that was great. That was a great Ichi, Ichi weekend. There's a lot of good social media posts. The The Mariners' social media team has been so good the past few years. They really upped their game, and that tribute video they had to him was amazing. Uh, as someone who's pretty young and uh, grew up with Ichiro on the team and got to got to watch him just hit on awful teams. It was especially cool to see him out there because it, it brought me back to just love of baseball. He's one of the, the guys I watched growing up on, again, those terrible Mariners teams, but he was the one. He was the guy. Before Felix got there for me, he was the he was, he was was my favorite player for sure as, as a young kid. So it was great to see him and great to see that Seattle – will never ever ever stop loving him and he will never stop loving Seattle. Just love that. And now to the best news of the year of the past five years of the day of everything. Julio Rodriguez and the Mariners have reached an extension. Yes. Let's fucking go. Julio's ours. He's here to stay. And holy shit, I can't even express how excited I was. I mean, everyone was, as we all should be. This is huge. I mean, a once in a, in a franchise cornerstone does not come, they don't come around very often. And the Mariners, I mean, happened with A-Rod, dude fucking left. Uh, Julio is, is special, just like A-Rod was. Just like Ken Griffey Jr. was, and he stayed here for a long time. Just like Ichiro was. Uh, Felix Hernandez. I mean, even like Kyle Seeger to some extent. Like, there's this, this track record of keeping these stars and keeping them happy, but we've never seen this before. This is a He's a rookie, albeit he was an all-star, and he's the shoe-in for rookie of the year, and he's been one of the best players in the MLB this year, not just one of the best rookies. And he's just he's a generational talent. 
And we've seen this more and more with early guys reaching extensions because, like, let's just grab a random example like Fernando Tatis. Signed his extension super early on in his career because they saw a superstardom. And he's been hurt since. He had a little little ringworm PED situation, I guess. Uh, and and look, he's he's made a lot of money, and I'm sure Tatis will come back and make and you know make that contract worthwhile for the Padres. He's a tremendous tremendous baseball player, but there's something to be said about reaching this extension early because everything is uncertain. Even we all know Julio's this good, but the world is uncertain. Good to get it locked up now, and it's not like it's a small amount of money. Um, and I want to give a, a special shout out to Pedro Martinez. Uh, he was talking, I was watching OB Network. He was talking about this extension. He was saying a kid he knows as well as anyone, a kid from the Dominican Republic, that signing bonus you get when you sign for a team is is great. It's awesome. It helps a lot. But that disappears so quickly, Pedro said. And uh, I could tell it really meant a lot to him to talk about it because. Julio's, he's, his family's set for life. Now he, like, he has bought himself and his family uh, money forever. And I'm sure that signing bonus helped, but, like, Pedro said, this is huge for guys from the Dominican, especially in, like, Venezuela and Cuba and what they have to go through to play baseball down there. And then that signing bonus is nice, but the, it's, it's lost quickly. So signing a deal like this is life-changing for generations to come for Julio and his family. And that's just amazing to see. And then on the business side of it, obviously you want to do this. Obviously this is a great move. You want to lock up this guy because you do have him for seven years, but after three, you got to arbitrate for a few years and then you got to hopefully reach an extension after that. But a lot of stuff can happen and you want him team controlled for a while, especially if uh, you see, how fucking good a guy like Julio Rodriguez is. You want him here. It's a no-brainer. Uh, the contract is is dense. So I have a lot of stuff here from both Jeff Passan and the Seattle Times going over what is in this contract. It's at its baseline, $209.3 million 12-year contract starting next season. Could be worth almost $470 million over 17 years if he wins two MVP awards, and I'll go into more of that. Uh, the club option is exercised. The deal would be worth 309.3 for 12 years. Uh, Passon explains the deal could be for eight years, could be for 13, 16, or 18 years. It guarantees him at least 210 million, and then if it maxes, it will be the largest extension ever at 470 million. So, uh, it, it depends on, on there's a club option, there's a player option, there's incentives based on MVP finishes. So if Julio earns two MVP awards by 2028 or finishes among the top five in voting four times, the deal boosts to that $470 million, uh, including, including postseason award bonuses as well. Um, so there's a, the Mariners have a team option after year seven of this deal. So, seven years, and then we have a team option. So, that would be 2029. And then Rodriguez, he has a player option after year eight. So, the team could pick him up. Uh, but And then he would have to, Julio would have to opt in the next year. And that would be for five extra years and $90 million. So, 
thus a 13-year structure with a $210 million floor, essentially. Um, but he also could turn that down and hit free agency right before his 30th birthday, too. So it gives a lot of flexibility for club, a lot of flexibility for player. Um, hopefully, by then, um, it's maxed, and he's going to be extended, and he's going to be here for the rest of his career, making uh, $470 million. Uh, but at its worst, we pay him quite a bit of money to stay here for at least seven years. Hopefully, uh, he picks up that extra five so, I don't know. We're looking at Julio in Seattle for until at least 2029, 20, 2030, hopefully 2035, hopefully forever. Hopefully it's a lifetime deal. Um, and then another little thing, if, if the Mariners decide to turn down the one-time team option for 2030 to 2037, um, which would have to be exercised after the 2020 World Series. There's a mutual option that could be exercised after the 2029 World Series, calling for $168 million from 2030 to 2036. And then there's that player option that guarantees the $90 million from 2030 to 2034. So there's a lot in this deal. The baseline, we don't have to worry about any of this until 2028. We don't have to worry about him opting out, team opting out until 2028. And by then, who knows what would have happened with the Mariners and Julio Rodriguez. And that is that. That is the biggest news of the week. And God, does it make everyone happy. I, I am beaming with excitement. I mean, Julio is just amazing. And he it's so much better that he is such a nice, nice kid. And he plays baseball. I don't want to, like, he plays baseball a fun way. Like, Tony DeRusso would be fucking mad with Julio and how he plays baseball on his team. That's a good thing. It's a very good thing. Uh, and it, he's just such a good good kid. And I say that as someone who's literally, uh, like, a year older than him. So, I mean, he's just tremendous. I can't imagine doing that at his age. And he's here to stay. All right, that has done it for the rundown of the week. Now, time to break down the actual baseball that the Seattle Mariners played this past week. We'll start it out. We'll gloss over this uh, Nationals game. I recorded the pod during this game uh, and subsequently watched the end of it painstakingly. Um, What a fucking frustrating game this was. Kirby was so good. Kirby was so damn good in this game. He went seven innings, eight hits, one earned, nine Ks. Looked great. Diego Castillo came in. One strikeout, one inning, no runs. Did his job. Held. Paul Sewell came in in the ninth. Gave up two runs. And then Ems couldn't get it down in the bottom half. uh, And lost to the 42... And at that time, I think they must have been like 40 and 80 uh, Washington Nationals who were playing for nothing. Julio hit a home run that game. That's something good. That's fun. He uh, cemented his 2020 season, which uh, he was the first or youngest Mariner to do that, I think. Um, second fastest ever. I think he was he Mike he was done it faster than Mike Trout. 
and I think he, the only person he was behind was uh, Fernando Tatis in terms of age in achieving a 2020 season. So that's the good thing that happened in that game. Otherwise, they lost. Um, nothing else to talk about with that game. I had in my notes, we really lost that game. Uh, yeah, what a ridiculous game. What a stupid, stupid game. Moving on to the Guardian series. Now, the, going into this one, we knew what it was going to be. This is a potential preview for the playoffs. This had a lot of other implications for the playoff picture right now, too, because we're vying for the wild card. They're also vying for the wild card, but they're winning the division right now. It's just close. The Twins twins are behind them, but it's still it's close. They're playing for everything. We're playing for everything. We basically have the same record going into this. Um, and it's, it's, as I said, a preview of a potential wildcard matchup. And both these teams are remarkably similar, um, pitching-wise at least. Uh, going into this, and I'd, right now, I'm going to read the stats right now, the bullpen ERAs that lead baseball, going from one to where we are, Houston Astros, New York Yankees, Dodgers, Guardians at fourth in the league in bullpen ERA, then the Orioles, then the Braves, and then the Seattle Mariners. Seventh. So the fourth and the seventh best bullpens, I mean, by ERA. There's other metrics, obviously. But by ERA, these two are two of the better bullpens in the league and better starting rotations as well with the Mariners starting rotation at a 3-5-8 ERA, good for seventh in the league and Cleveland with a three six seven right behind us at eighth in the league, which is great. Uh, two of the better pitching teams in the whole league, uh, top five teams in the AL in terms of pitching all the way around. And man, did this series live up to that. Uh, not a lot of runs were scored in this series. Runs were super hard to come by. Uh, so this first game, August 25th, uh, YouTube game, took the win. Uh, the YouTube commentary, I tweeted this out. It's been better than the Apple TV commentary. I'm still not entirely sold on it. Um, it's also been uh, the same, if not less annoying, than the, some of the Sunday Night Baseball crew. Um, I can't express enough how much I don't like ESPN's coverage of uh, baseball. They really, uh, man, they could do so much better. Uh, but this this game, the YouTube game, I like that they're doing YouTube free games every week. That's good for exposure. I think they should honestly do that more because part of why baseball is hard to find is the regional blackouts. Put it on YouTube for free. Problem solved. There you go. Marco Gonzalez really fooled us in the first half of this inning. Um, I was I was fooled. Twitter was fooled. Uh, but he ended up with a very, very Marco Gonzalez game. Uh, tough first inning, but after that, nails. Six innings, four hits, one run, one walk, four Ks. That's fucking Marco Gonzalez if I've ever seen it. Good Lord. Uh, he, he's he got to do this, man. He's If he's going to be like the fifth starter, if he's your fifth starter doing this, that's good. That's good, and he and he's a great leader in the clubhouse, and I love Marco Gonzalez. I don't want to turn against him, so don't make me turn against you, Marco, please. But he didn't put in a great performance. 
Uh, Mitch Haniger hit a big fat dinger, three run bomb in the first to go up three one, and after that, no runs were scored. <laughs> both like the, the runs are so hard to come by against both these teams. Both pitching stats are so annoying to pitch against. Because Tristan McKenzie's good. He gave up that home run, but Tristan McKenzie pitched well. I mean, the problem with the Guardians in the playoffs, I see, I'll talk about this later, is how many curveballs they throw. But we'll get into that later. Um, for the, the finishing, the Mariners pitching, Eric Swanson came in and inning, no runs. Brought his league-leading ERA down to under one. Matt Brash had another hold. He went two-thirds, uh, gave up two hits. He didn't look amazing. Um, but Munoz came in, ice. As usual, one the third, three strikeouts, and the save for Andres Munoz, giving us the 1-0 series lead over the Cleveland Guardians. Going into the next game on the 26th, where who was starting? Logan Gilbert took the start. Again, just looked fine. I, I he looked fine. I, I don't, I don't know with Gilbert. Uh, he's good. I mean, six and a third, eight hits, two runs, two strikeouts. Um, he did fine with the runners that he did let on the base, which is good. Um, I think he's looked better with that under pressure and pressure situations, but still pitched pretty well. Um, the offense was fine. I mean, they did win this game, and you win the game, and Shane Bieber goes seven innings, five hits, with one run, one earned run, two runs total, but nine Ks, and you win that game, that's, like, that is what you have to do. And that's how the Mariners win. That's how the playoffs are going to have to go. Yeah, like, Shane Bieber is a tremendous starting pitcher, and for him to do that, and for us to grit out a one-run win, very Mariners style, that's huge. Matt Brash came in, gave up no runs. Seawald came in, looked good. Diego Castillo came in, looked great. Matt Festa, Italian man himself. Matt Festa came in, looked fine. And Penn Murphy closed the game out. Although it was a little dicey, he walked too, but still, still held the game long enough for us to win it in the 11th. And uh, I, I think that honestly, like, this... This is the game. I think this is the game to look at. Because you see Shane Bieber versus Logan Gilbert. You see that in a playoff matchup. Obviously, advantage is Shane Bieber. And yet, we lost a 2-2 ball game to the 11th with clutch pitching and good defense. And we give it to Mitch Haniger in the bottom of the 11th to single home uh, Dylan Moore on the base path. And that's how you win. You let it in your hands. You're your best guy. I mean, Adam Frazier had an RBI in this game. J.P. Crawford had an RBI in this game. A lot of sack flies. Every run was a sacrifice fly RBI, except for Mitch Haniger's single, which speaks to both of these teams and how they play baseball. Uh, <laughs> and that's what the playoff matchup between these two is going to be like if that comes to fruition in October, which, truthfully, I hope not. I hope we play the Twins. The Guardians are so frustrating to play against. I mean, we are too, but we're so similar. It's just the blood is boiling at 
at a 3-2 victory in the playoffs, and then we have to play them again. It, it's just, This team, obviously, is really good at winning one run games. There's a formula. Some of it's luck. Some of it is just how the team is constructed, how they play, their mentality. I just, as a fan, they win every game like against good teams like this in the most excruciating, painful way. And I'm just not ready for this in the playoffs. I think my heart might explode in the playoffs if this happens. But got the dub anyway. Take the 2-0 series lead. Going into the 27th, the Ichiro game. Now, Sneaky uh, sneaky going into this game, I thought we were going to lose. It seems every time there's a sold-out game in uh, T-Mobile, Safeco, what have you, the past decade, I just feel like they always lose. Like I, I don't know what it is, but I feel like they oh I feel like the offense always shits the bed, and they did in this game. They had three hits, granted three solo home runs. Eugenio hit a home run, Julio hit a home run, and Jake Lamb with a pinch hit home run, which was really cool in the moment. It was a pinch hit home run to go to go up three to one in the seventh on Etrio night in front of a sold out crowd. For Jake Lamb, a kid who I think went to UW. He went to Bishop Blanchett High School. What a dream that must have been for him. But then the next inning, Diego Castillo comes in, and then Andres Munoz comes in and gives up three runs. And we lose. We can't get it done in the ninth. Emmanuel Classe comes in. Karinchik comes in. Closes the game out. And uh, it was a frustrating ninth. Class A grooved one to Julio. Class A is so good. He's He is like Munoz a little bit, but he has a cutter that he throws 100 miles an hour. A uh, great slider. And he delivered a beautiful meatball to Julio in the bottom of the ninth. And Julio fucking popped it up. Just missed it. And God, it... Oh, what could have been? What could have been there? But we lost. Upsetting game. And another one-run game, unfortunately. Uh, Jake Lamb also had a diving stop at uh, at first in this game, too, which was pretty fun. There's just a lot to break down in this game. Because uh, the thing I haven't mentioned is Lance Barrett. Uh, <laughs> Lance... <laughs> Lance Barrett, fuck you, man. This was one of the worst officiated games I've seen. So let's just get into it. Zach Plesak and Luis Castillo both were hurling it pretty well. I mean, Plesak gave up three hits, three solo home runs, but six strikeouts over seven innings. That's that's fine. Luis Castillo, six six, uh, innings, four hits, one run, one walk, 10 Ks. Give up solo home run. Another great start for Luis Castillo. Um, despite some of these brutal calls, uh, Ty France was ejected in the fourth inning because of the worst plate appearance I've seen all year. Three called strikes on the outer half of the plate. All of them were balls. Like, like the third, the strike three pitch touched like a hair, like a seam. Touch the corner of the plate. Sure, like, sure. I'm not giving you that, but sure. The other two were just completely, literally off the plate by 
six inches. And Ty got ejected, and his quote was, all I said was, all three strikes you called were balls. And he asked me why I said that, so I repeated it, and then he ejected me. And it's like, okay, I feel like Ty, Ty didn't really blow up or anything. He's merely pointing out the obvious where uh, all three were called balls. And Mr. Lance Barrett said, no, 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 no. Don't tell me I did my job poorly. Only I get to say that to myself. And he threw him out. Uh, a couple other calls later in this game were awful. Uh, Munoz, when he was pitching, um, the first two batters of of his outing shouldn't have really been on base, to be honest. Stephen Kwan walked on some bad calls on uh, some balls that should have been called strikes. Ahmed Rosario uh, then had just a bloop single into the outfield. Like, it was a great pitch by Munoz. Munoz didn't have a bad pitching outing, to be honest. Like, he just... He just got screwed with some calls and some luck, and this is that's kind of how the Guardians win. They they luck into a walk with Quan, who's a great hitter, stays alive enough for the umpire to make a terrible call and give him first base. Amon Rosario gets lucky and bloops a single into the outfield, and then Jose Ramirez is up and uh, puts a hundred mile an hour fastball the other way for two runs on a great piece of hitting and a great pitch. Not much you can do with that. Jose Ramirez is just a tremendous bat to ball hitter. It's Great to watch him at the plate. Not against us, but that's how the how it goes sometimes. I mean, if this is the only game we lost in the series, and the offense is pretty fucking putrid. Uh, the pitching wasn't that bad. You just got a little unlucky. The Guardians gritted it out, and then Jose Ramirez came up in a big spot and, uh, and crushed you, which happens. Uh, which will happen a little bit. Uh, uh, frustrating game. Uh, I'm moving on. Umpire, besides the umpire scorecard, I am surprised at the umpire scorecard. It's a plus .17 runs for Seattle. 90% accuracy, so not really great. Not average is 94. Consistency was 92%. He was consistently calling that outside pitch all night, which is pretty frustrating because they were not good calls. They were pretty awful calls. Uh, his called strike accuracy is 84%. That is not good. Um, and the impactful missed calls were Castillo to Palacios in the 7-3-2 count. Uh, the ball is called a strike, and it fully out of the zone at the top. That was a nice call. And then the top of the eighth, which is pretty tough, Munoz made uh, a, a very good pitch in the bottom half of the plate that could have been called a strike that just was called a ball to make it 3-2. And then Quan drew that walk, which led to the runs in that inning. And then in the bottom of the eighth, uh, this call went in our favor, or against or against us. Uh, 3-1 count to J.P. Crawford, and Krinchek is pitching. Uh, and the ball, this ball is called a strike. And, in, and you can go find this. It... It is a full other baseball off the plate. Like I could fit a baseball and a half in between that ball that was called a strike and the plate. Uh, just an awful fucking call. And to give a call to a Karinchak, who's, God, I hope, if for any reason, 
we don't I don't want to face this team in the fucking playoffs. It's that guy. He blatantly cheating. Uh, right? Is he cheating? He's rubbing his hands in his hair, rubbing the dirt, rubbing his hands in his hair after every fucking pitch, flipping the ball, rubbing his hands in his hair, rubbing the dirt, getting the rosin bag, all of it mixing together. He throws a pitch. He throws the ball away. He's using a new ball every fucking pitch. And he has a great curveball. Makes a lot of sense. Had an He had an awful ERA when the... He had like a 4-1 ERA right after the ball uh, stuff came out, the substance stuff, when they were really, really checking it. And uh, and since then, <laughs> he's been great. And I can fucking see why. Dude is clearly doctoring the ball, and he's not even trying to be sly about it. Like, it would be one thing if I was just mad and he was spinning a great curveball against my favorite baseball team. But no, everyone saw it. He, he was doing it every pitch, and he took 45 seconds to throw one pitch every time. So infuriating. Okay, moving on. Moving on to the final game of the series. What a great game this was. What a nice change of pace. A lovely, lovely Sunday afternoon game in some of the best jerseys in baseball. Really good crowd. Robbie Ray on the bump against Aaron Savali. Robbie Ray, great start, man. Great fucking start. Seven innings, three hits, seven Ks. Classic Robbie Ray start. High fastballs. Beautiful sliders. Guardians couldn't touch him. Eric Swanson came in, gave up two hits, but still looked pretty good. Paul Seawall closed the game out. Not a save, but closed the game out. Uh, we did that off Aaron Savali. He went six and a third, four hits, four runs, two walks, five Ks. I didn't think he was that bad, to be honest. Um, I like Aaron Savali. He's shown that despite being very mid, he can pitch well against the Mariners. Um, we tend to do that with mid pitchers. We make them look uh, really good at times until uh, big, big biceps Dylan Moore comes up in the bottom of the fifth and tanks a home run into Edgar's Cantina for a three run bomb. Shout out to Dylan Moore, man. Shout out to Dylan fucking Moore. Him and Sam Haggerty, we'd be nowhere without those guys. What a great player. And then Ty France. You guys remember Ty France? Ty Viva La France homers. Hits a dong shot in the bottom of the seventh to make it 4-0. And that's how the score would stay. And we won 4-0 despite having one less hit than the Guardians. The hitting's still a problem. Uh, Four hits against Aaron Savali is terrible. (laughs) Um... Uh, just the offense hasn't been good at all the past couple weeks, but the pitching has been nails. Uh, Tito Francona was talking about this after this series, and he just said, like, the word around the league right now is you don't want to play the Seattle Mariners in the playoffs. Not because they're better than you, just because this is they know how to win close games because of their pitching and their defense. And the Guardians got all of it in this series. Like Tito said, this is some of the best pitching he's seen all year. And it, it truly has been a joy to watch. The starters have been so good the past couple weeks. And picking up the offense's slack. Which, imagine if both of those things melded together. Imagine if the offense was good and the pitching was great. What a great time that would be. 
but it's just I have a problem with their approaches to the plate the past the past week, and then the glaring weakness in the offense is we cannot hit a fucking curveball to save our lives. Like Karinchuk's curveball harmed us. Shane Bieber's curveball. I mean, he has four other good pitches, but his his he throws a knuckle curve. It it was we couldn't hit it. Uh, Tristan McKenzie has a beautiful curveball. Couldn't hit that. Aaron Savali has a good curveball too, and we couldn't hit that until Dylan Moore socked the long dinger against the curveball that we had one hit on the whole game. It's curveballs. It's it's been curveballs. It's it's like the team kind of rallied around this Cal the Cal rally situation. Like Cal was just he couldn't hit a curveball to save his life. He still can't really hit curveballs, but he's like, okay, I'm just gonna focus on fastballs then. And he crushes fastballs. The team hits fastballs really well. We just can't hit a curveball. It's like if the guy's a good curveball hitter, I think the dudes have it in their mind that he is because the plate appearances look different. It's not that they just can't hit a curveball. That'd be one thing. It's like, but all week, the, the approaches to the plate in big spots were very unmariners like, I think. They just looked, they looked totally off balance, impatient, and some of the calls went against them, but that's just how it goes sometimes if you don't have a robot umpire. So that's a problem. Uh, worth looking into. Obviously, the team knows that. Not a secret. Uh, <clears throat> but that is a big thing, at least that I noticed, is that curveballs are kind of the kryptonite for the offense, and it's tough because uh, Lookout Landing on Twitter pointed this out, but Ty France is a really good curveball hitter. He has been the past couple of years, and with him not hitting very well, he did hit a home run today, or yesterday, but with him not hitting very well, he's the best curveball hitter on the team. And then Eugenio is too, but Eugenio has been pretty unlucky hitting curveballs this year. He makes a lot of hard contact with curveballs, with anything really, when he gets a hold of it, but he's been pretty unlucky. It's It's been a lot of flyouts, lineouts against curveballs because he just gets under it, doesn't quite get the drive on it, drive it out of the park, and it just falls through an outfielder. So that's, that's worth looking into, at least. Obviously, hope the team solves that, but the Guardians happen to have a lot of good curveball guys, and... Karinchuk cheats, uh, but the other guys have great curveballs, and uh, that's something to look into going forward with this team, is curveballs are kind of the kryptonite. But that was the Guardians series, a great series of baseball, honestly. I'm, the Guardians are frustrating, but it's it's nice to watch them play. I like Tito Francona, he's a great coach. Like Their pitching is great, their offense is frustrating, but... As a guy who's uh, who used to get on base a lot and work the count, what a beautiful thing it is to watch them hit. I mean, they're kind of like the Mariners. They haven't the Mariners haven't been like that this week, but this year they they work the count. They'll rack your pitch count up, and uh, they'll get it in big spots with their best hitter J Ram, and let him do the rest. So uh, we'll see them next week. Um, as that is a segue into our weekly update, what is going on the rest of this week after the Mariners went three and two since the last time we talked and the series victory against the Guardians? They take a little Midwest road trip, starting with the Detroit Tigers. We go to Detroit starting September first, last month of the season, baby. Here we go, crunch time. I mean, we go like a week into October, but shit, whatever. Don't talk about that. This is crunch time. 
this is where we need to sweep teams like the Tigers. I don't care if the Tigers have some good guys. Sweep the Tigers, please. We need to do this. Starting September 1st, your Seattle Mariners go on to take the Tigers on in Detroit. Logan Gilbert gets the start against Eduardo Rodriguez. Then on the... Oh, wait, my bad. No, I was reading that backwards. We start on August 30th and then go to September. Okay, here we go. George Kirby starts on August 30th against Matt Manning. Matt Manning, I really like, actually. That should be a good pitching matchup. Two, two rookies. Unless I'm wrong and stupid, but Matt Manning's a fun pitcher to watch. A lot of uh, a lot of promise there between those two young pitchers. And then the 31st, Wednesday, Marco versus Tyler Alexander, I believe, is his name. Um, two lefties, honestly. That pitching matchup doesn't excite me greatly, but I do like to watch Marco pitch when he's on. He's quite good. And I think he can handle a Detroit Tigers lineup, knock on wood. And then you know, the September 1st game, like I mentioned, Logan versus Eduardo Rodriguez. Honestly, not bad pitching getting put out by the Tigers. And our three non-aces, but they all have ERAs uh, under four. So it's not like we're hurting in the pitching department. Um, I, we'll see if we can actually hit. We need to string hits together against the Tigers. Their ballpark is huge. I don't know if we can just hit dingers like we did against the Guardians and win this game. But it, their lineup is not like the Guardians at all. Like we, the, the pitchers in the bullpen should be able to hold them to a few runs. And all I ask is the, the team to get six hits, seven hits maybe on average in a game. I don't know. Something nice. Like please the offense needs to pick it up man but we need to go to the tigers and we need to handle business and then because after the tigers we go to cleveland and play the guardians again in another little playoff preview but at their ballpark this time we go friday saturday sunday the second through the fourth against the guardians and then we're back home for a week week and a half against the White Sox. Um, I will be releasing a pod next week, either Monday or Tuesday, probably in the middle of the White Sox series. Um, hopefully recapping a fun week of baseball against the Tigers and the Guardians, a fun little Midwest romp from the Seattle Mariners here, but we'll see what happens. Theoretically, um, we should have our best pitchers again versus the Guardians. Uh, if Logan is making a start on the first Luis Castillo and Robbie Ray should be Friday, Saturday, and the four should be Kirby. Um, what happened to Chris Flexen, I may ask? Uh, we haven't seen him pitch in, in years, it seems like. It's been like two weeks, but uh, we just haven't seen him pitch. Maybe we see him on the fourth on Sunday after Robbie Ray and Luis Castillo. Maybe we see him on the Friday of the Guardians. I don't know. Uh I feel like Logan Gilbert needs a rest. I feel like some of these guys need a rest. I feel like they might try to work in some of the later games in the year, depending on where we are in the standings. I know we play the A's and the Royals and the Rangers quite a bit to end the year, and like the Tigers again, which are bad teams. And I think you could afford to start flexing in one or two of those games to give the guys a little rest going into the playoffs. I'm sure that's what they have in mind, especially too with – with some of the guys they have in AAA. It just all depends on where they are in the standings. Uh, but I'd like to see Chris Flexen pitch again. I mean, 
I think he'll be super valuable as a long guy out of the bullpen in the playoffs, hopefully at home. But we'll see. We'll see. But that's what the, the week holds. Tigers and Guardians should be pretty... Uh, I, I'm not going to say it, but... <laughs> the Guardian series will be fun again, I'm sure, uh, for a casual viewer. And the Tigers series should be boring, hopefully. The Mariners should hopefully just take care of business there. But we'll see what happens. Now a little health update. Mariners health update. Evan White was activated officially uh, today, shortly before I ever started recording. Option to AAA. I mean, he has been rehabbing there, so just activated him officially, which could mean a call-up in September. Rosters expand? I don't know. I don't know. Jake Lamb just hit a home run. Who I don't, I don't know. But Ty's a little banged up. Jake Lamb and Carlos Santana aren't. I mean, you listen, it's not the greatest first baseman. Uh, platoon there, especially because it's both lefties. Uh, I think we see Evan White and give him an opportunity to hit and watch him play his lovely defense again. Uh, JP Crawford officially today as well. He's day to day. There's no tear in his pack. X-rays were negative. That is good. Um, and then a little health update on Matthew Boyd. His rehab assignment. Uh, he has gone five games. Seven innings pitched, four hits, two runs, 12 Ks, and a 160 batting average against. So that's a guy who I think is a shoe-in to come up to the bullpen in September and show us what he's got for his hometown Mariners. Now getting into the minor league update besides that. Um, oh yeah, Ty France. Uh, I know he's day-to-day. Um, I know he's I know he's a little banged up from that ankle thing he had in that Guardian series. I think just giving him a rest in general is good. He did just hit a home run, but still just had a dreadful. He's had a dreadful month. Had a dreadful couple weeks. Just bad. Maybe a rest. Maybe Evan White comes up, uh, and we start playing Dylan Moore in the field more. Hanniger DHing or Winker DHing. Hopefully, dude cannot play left field to save his life, but. Oh, there's a lot of roster options the Mariners could do. I think a lot of it might come down to to health and then what happens when the roster expands. I don't know what they're going to do, but we shall see. Now, the minor league update. Uh, first thing I have to say, in Tacoma, Mason McCoy, I think he was playing shortstop in a shift. Hey, look this play up if you can. It's a sports center top 10 level play. Dude gets a ball uh, on the right side of the infield, scoops it up in his glove, and it, like there's a lot of glove flips that are glove flips are sick. Glove flips are very cool. An underhanded glove flip is is cool. The ball slides right out of the glove. If it works, it goes right to the guy you want it to. This is a glove flip on steroids. He ta- he overhand glove flips this shit to first base on a line and gets the dude. Like what a play! I don't think I've ever seen. An overhand glove flip. It was like those those things we had as kids with the wiffle balls that were like curved, and you would throw them exactly like how he did with this glove. <laughs> and I honestly, that has to be where he got the inspiration. Like, what a play! Uh, Jonathan VR has been hitting really well in Tacoma. That's that's a name. Uh, dude won me a fantasy league in like 2016. What a great couple seasons he had up in the bigs. I don't know, Jonathan. Maybe we see Jonathan VR in September, depending on what the health is looking like. Uh, I doubt 
he is going to have a resurgence in the bigs, but it's fun to watch him hit triple A, I guess. Uh, Jonathan Classe, Jonathan Classe, hit an inside the park home run the other day, and he has, and he swiped his 54th bag of the year. Yeah, 54. He's been doing this too. He's been one of the fastest guys in the minors for years now. And a cheeky little call-up, I think, for October is Jonathan Class A. I mean, we have Dylan Moore and Sam Haggerty as the quote-unquote utility guys, and they're both quite fast. But Jonathan Class A is different. He's built different. Dude has 54 bags swiped this year in the minors. He's so fast. Like He could be like a Billy Hamilton-type guy to bring into a game, like like late in a playoff game, to make the difference for you. He could swipe second with ease, swipe third, hit inside the park home run. Like I, that would be so much fun. I don't know if it happens. I don't know how much Jared Apoto values a guy like that, like a Billy Hamilton playoff type, or um, uh, who is it? Oh, I'm blanking on the name. Gore, Gore, that guy, uh, super fast. A very another type that I think he's on the Royals that teams would sign him in September because they knew he'd be a valuable dude on the bench in October just for pinch running. I think class A could be that guy and potentially more after this, but just for right now, pinch running guy, 54 swipe bags on the air. What a time. Uh, the last minor league update, the DSL looks like it's coming to a close. I don't see that they've released um, their like players of the year officially, but Lazaro Montas Montez posted on his Instagram that he won the DSL Mariners position player of the year achievement, which is great. Dude absolutely rakes. Super excited to see him stateside hopefully next year. Um, he led that DSL team in slugging, OPS, WRC+, plus hits, doubles, triples, home runs, RBIs, total bases, walks, and games played. Uh, he looks every bit as exciting as I heard Jerry DePardo talking about him when they signed him and stateside next year, hopefully, and he'll be on the Julio track. I'm not going to compare to Julio, but looks like a dude who can contribute way down the line in the future. And a special shout out to Michael Arroyo as well. Basically, the offensive categories boiled down to both of those guys. Uh, Michael Arroyo led the team in batting average and on-base percentage as well as runs, and Lazaro Montez led everything else. So both those guys just had a, a grand old time down there in the Dominican Summer League. So hopefully both of them will be stateside soon and running rampant in uh, the minor leagues of the Seattle Mariners. Everett, Modesto, Arkansas, Tacoma. Hopefully we'll see them in the next few years. That's about it for the Mariners news. Random news around the league. Aroldis Chapman has a leg infection from a tattoo. Apparently, he's on the 15-day IL. Uh, Yankees seem to be cursed. They, I mean, I'm not going to say it's the media's fault. <laughs> but we were, we were like, oh my goodness, the Yan- after like three months. Yankees are on pace to win 118 games. Could this be the year the Mariners... Record is broken. No, absolutely fucking not. Of course not. You look at that Yankees team. They're not that good. They're quite good. They're very good at baseball. I'll say it. I'll say the bold take. The Yankees are pretty good at baseball. 
they were never going to break the Mariners' 116-win record. I didn't document this, and I should have. I didn't think that – I thought they had a good chance to not even break 100 wins. I was so low on the Yankees coming into this year. I thought they'd be third or fourth in their division. Granted, I thought the Red Sox would be better and the Rays would be better, and even the Blue Jays. I thought they would all be a little bit better than this. But I was so low on the Yankees, and I still kind of am. They're they're really good, but they have man, they've had a tough month and a half, and now Roldis has a leg infection from a tattoo. That's just kind of emblematic of how <laughs> the latter half of this year's gone for him. Uh, what else around the league has happened? Verlander might be hurt. Uh, he had a little calf discomfort. I guess came out of their game the other day. Uh, this morning, I was watching OMB Network. They flashed up his stats. I read these on the last pod, but they're just so impressive. Compared to his Cy Young and MVP season in 2011, which is super rare for a pitcher to do both, um, he, they compared it to this year. And this year, 24 starts, 16-3 and 13, 16-3 record, 1.84 ERA, 152 innings, 154 Ks, 26 walks. That is amazing stats. Like, just limiting runners, not walking many, striking out, go to mount. His 2011 year was absurd. 34 starts, 24-5 and five record. Man, those Tigers were good. 2.4 ERA, 251 innings with 250 strikeouts and 57 walks. 251? He, that, you don't see that anymore at all. <laughs> 251 innings is crazy at a 2.4 ERA clip. Like he's doing a, he has a 1.84 ERA now with 152 innings. Like what was he gonna get to by the end of the year if he was healthy innings wise? Like there's another five weeks left in the season, so he would have got, I don't know, so not even not 200, like 180. <laughs> like good lord, 251 innings is absurd. Like. A guy I can think of doing that, I guess, is Sandy Alcantara. He has a lot of complete games this year. Like, let me live look this up, how many innings he has this year. But you just don't do that anymore. Like, you saw, like, like I remember Felix's year in 2012. He must have thrown, like, he had those couple years. He must have thrown 200-plus innings, like, four, four times. You just don't see that anymore at all. And uh, it would be tough if he was out for an extended period of time with Verlander. Because he's been the rock of that rotation for the Astros this year. And the Astros are really, really good at baseball. I hate to say it. The Astros are really, really good. Sandy Alcantara, how many innings pitched does he have this year? 185 right now. Like, he, like that's even unheard of to get to. He got 200-plus last year and was a good pitcher. And he is going to surpass 200-plus this year. Hopefully, knock on wood, no injuries. At a historic clip dude's gonna walk like give him the nl cy young right now dude is so good like dustin may came back the other day i think it was saturday and had a good start he had a good start he looked good since coming back they lost 2-1 to the marlins because alcantara went his fourth complete game of the year up one run. I think he struck out like 11 dudes. Just absurd, man. Uh, just absurd. 
Okay, other other news before I get out of here. Gla- Tyler Glass now got extended. That's cool. Paul Goldschmidt is looking like he could win the Triple Crown, which is pretty crazy. Um, leads the NL in both average and RBIs. Uh, just the only thing he's trailing in is home runs. He's got 33 as of the 29th. He has 33 home runs to Schwarber's 35. And, uh, I mean, he could, there's another five weeks. He could win this triple crown. If he continues like this, that'd be historic. Like when was the last triple crown winner? Was it, it had to have been Mickey in 2013. Otherwise I can't think of who else won the triple crown. I don't think anyone has, but that could be a historic year for him. Dude is, dude has been uh, such a good player the past seven seasons that I feel like so many people don't talk about. Like he's finished top three in MVP multiple times the last like five seasons, right? He's so good, and we'll see if he can win the triple crown. Last thing uh, before we get out of here. Josh Hader sucks, I guess. <laughs> like, did the Brewers know something? <laughs> did the Brewers know something when they traded him? So, I'm not going to go on and analyze this, but Jesus Christ. First 259 career games. Thanks, Jim Passon. Not Passon, Passon on Twitter. Who I think is a Mariners fan. Uh, his first 259 career games. 74 earned runs and 525 strikeouts. Just absurd. One of the best relievers, the best reliever in baseball the past three years. Next 17 career games. 25 earned runs, 24 Ks. His career array has gone from 2.16 to 2.78 over his past 17 appearances. That is absurd. Like, did the did the Brewers know this before they traded him? Because they traded him to the Padres and he immediately started doing this like what? his stats of the Padres are are so bad he's he has blown a save uh he has a 23 ERA he's pitched 4.2 innings with 8 Ks and 7 walks and a 4.07 whip like good god dude so bad uh, okay well that's all I have for you guys I appreciate you listening Please share this podcast if you enjoyed it at all with anyone who you know in your heart is a Mariners fan. I am just trying to provide a fun outlet for a recapping of what has happened with the Mariners in the past week of baseball. Uh, I really, really hope that you enjoyed the pod. I hope you have a good day. Uh, follow us on Twitter at ChaosBallPod1977. Listen on Spotify, Apple, or RSS.com. You can find the link on the, my Twitter. Uh, and please, please share, follow, subscribe, rate, and review. And have a good day, and go Mariners.